there, film files. What's happening? We've been brought together again on this beautiful Tuesday. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randall. I'm Ben Snowden. And tonight we're going to be talking about the gritty, the long, the classic Robert Rawson film from 1961, The Hustler. And we'll talk about other trailers, other movies that are coming out, other other things that uh, bother us with life in general. (laughs) I hope you'll stay with us. This is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart... This is Movie Show Theater. All right, all right. Well, let's see what's coming out in the theater today. Uh, The Visit, which I will have made fun of previously, I will see it, and then I will continue to make fun of it, I think. Is it a horror? Yes, that's the M. Night Shyamalan oh, kind of found footage. Kids, kids go to grandma's house. I'm not sure if it's supposed to also be a comedy and funny on purpose or intentionally slash unintentionally funny. It's hard to tell these days because there's such a thin line mm-hmm. of are they playing this straight and trying to be terrifying or are they trying to be so bad it's good on purpose, which is usually a huge train wreck i i know right yes, it's it's, it's almost like it's almost like they've run this found footage so far into the ground that they're gonna have to invent new little devices to make it a little bit different than the last horror movie that came out with found footage and now they're like well gonna now we're gonna happen. have to no they're put gonna some end humor up having, into it they're, they're gonna I, have to end up writing a story it looked campy but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> i guess mean that it's intended to be campy man well here's true. here's the thing too with these found footage movies it may not be the case for this one, but I was reading an article about the most profitable horror movie since 2010, and almost all of them included found footage because, you know, you can look at maybe a $1 million budget and then gross 10 to 20 times that. Um, the surprising thing is The Devil Inside is the most profitable movie since 2010. What? The Devil Inside? It's like the exorcism movie. 101 million box office from a $1 million budget. What? The Devil Inside. Wow. I know. I I was shocked. It was like, that's not a movie that even shows up on the radar no. for the most part in any best of Not feature. at all. I mean, it, it's, it, it seems like one of those movies you'd look at it and say, oh, well, it probably had a respectable release and people probably saw it just because it's found footage horror and the whole exorcism thing has come up again and been popular actually for more than a few years. I mean, if you include... Um, paranormal activity and it's nine or 15 sequels right yeah so uh not much else uh this movie called the perfect guy i watched the trailer for this it looked like medea has an affair that's looks like tyler perry's the perfect guy seriously it's been done a few times come on going back to the subject of something being done a few times i mean (laughs) this has been done so many times so yeah Um, no we'll no it won't be reviewed. Either. I don't even know if that's one of those movies as uh, a guy you could say, oh, yeah, there's, you know, romance, so mm, maybe yeah, I'll no. I'll take my significant other to go see it. I, uh, no. No. 
No. It was done much better in the early 90s. No. You know? The like four-sentence description. Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct. Yeah. Stuff like that. The paragraph description says, The perfect guy follows a woman who meets an IT expert who seems to be the perfect guy. But after a sexually charged courtship, she sees a violent side of him and dissolves the budding relationship. In a jealous rage and fueled by insane revenge, he disrupts her life. That's all I need to know. Even the hand that rocks the yeah, cradle, man, is probably going to be better. It, it doesn't what? even sound interesting. <laughs> what? No. Oh, not at man. all. No. Some, sometimes sometimes you need some... Mindless, whatever on Netflix. Me and Anna randomly uh, found Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. I was like, "All right, this is fine." It was uh, a Tom Clancy adaptation. No, it was good. Yeah, it was. It good. was actually good, though. Yeah, and and this seems like the kind of movie that you're like, "Oh, I don't know." It's something that I was that Chris Pine that was yeah. in that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that was a good one. No. Yeah, but it seems like the kind of movie that you're like, "Yeah, I could." I could be engaged if I'm doing something else. I can block it out, and it'll still be good background noise. Not even that. <laughs> it'll ruin any task that you're doing while listening. I just, I'm, no, I'm over absolutely. that. I don't want to talk about, oh, I do want to talk about Southpaw. Yeah. You know, the Gyllenhaal box well, and yeah. not, not for the theater, though. No. Of all the trailers I watched for movies coming out, um, the only one that I, I might end up watching is Wolf Totem. Wolf Totem? Yes. It's almost like taking um, an Eastern approach to Dances with Wolves. Oh, I did watch that. Yeah, that it looked cool. It could be interesting. I'm not going to go see it in theaters. Yeah. I seem to say that a lot. I know. I, mm. I, well, I, and I love, the, I love all the cinematic adventure, but I hate a disappointing cinematic adventure more than I enjoy a good cinematic. Like, I, and I think I'm too bitter and I'm too jaded, and I like, talk myself out of liking a movie before I even see it sometimes. The interesting part about this is that the uh, top build cast, the top person is Xiao Feng Feng. From Wolf Totem? Yeah, that's from Wolf Totem. Xiao Feng Feng. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but it that's what it looks like. I'm sure you are. We're American. We usually don't. We usually do pretty well with pronunciations. Speak American. Yeah, really no. As in Sarah Palin's. No. You're going to come to America. I don't Let's pay. speak American, okay? Let's speak American. That's what she said. Coming from Alaska, it's highly ironic that she would say things like that. Oh, considering how... the Inuits. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Wow. Well, that might have been the main point America. of imagery, however, hundreds of years ago for the Native yes, Americans truly. who came From, to the United States. Yes. I'm a Native American. I was born here for crying out loud. Oh, my God. Yeah. Doesn't cover I think it. the best thing I've seen, I, I don't know if it was something that was mocked up or it was an actual Donald Trump tweet, but mm. I think it was something to the effect of um, my parents didn't come to America all the way from Germany just to see this country be taken over by oh immigrants. Oh my god, I know, I saw that too. It's been... <laughs> That's uh, wait, just hilarious. It's been turned into a meme now. Of course it has. Of course it has. So, <laughs> so we watched The Hustler and I had seen it before. I remembered not being very engaged the first time I saw it, and this time I had a little more obligation to take something away from it. And it came out in 1961, by the way, directed by a guy named Robert Rawson. And while I don't think that it's nail-bitingly suspenseful, I will say that there's a lot of great things that came from it, like the invention and the really the establishment of 
Paul Newman's character, that stubborn, morally compromised, you know, the Butch Cassidy, the Cool Hand Luke, um, his character from The Sting. Absolutely. Pretty much everything he did after this was that character trope, and that was that was cool to see the origin of that. And kind of on different levels, too, because in this film, it's like him trying to become something great as it we look at this compared to the sting and the sting when we first meet him he's kind of washed up and had been something great so here it's like they could they could be the same character in different timelines and different worlds which is interesting because we've talked about that multiple times which is also interesting because there's a sequel to yeah. this you know color, color of, of money. money with tom cruise and and that movie in and of itself is not what you would call a great movie but it does show this character, Eddie Felsen, as something else, you know? I mean, he, he's older, he's wiser, he's definitely more seasoned. Yeah. And and, and I think the, the character really grows, and I think that um, he carries it through wonderfully. He well, really genuinely does. Yeah, and I, and I think the continuity of following this character more than a quarter of a century through the pool halls, because that's how long it took for the sequel to get made, because that's Truly. how long it took for the yes. novel to be written— yeah, and it's Scorsese's only sequel, which is interesting because, you know, this movie always made uh, The Hustler always makes the lists of one of the best sports movies, one of the best man's man movie. It's a very alpha male movie. Truly. And I think that it's very, it's, by definition, it's not film noir, but it really, really has the appeal of one. And, you know, when this came out in 1961, the last film noir that I found was Orson Welles' Touch of Evil from 1958 that would have all of the character types, you know, the femme fatale, the detective, the, you know, if it's a true film noir, then the hero has to be in every single scene. And so this would come out three years later, and it's still so fresh that it kind of makes people reminiscent of that time, and I'm I'm sure that led to a lot of its success. I think it's almost film noir. I mean, you you could call it that. It's really close. It's not a happy movie by any means. No, 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 not by any stretch of the imagination, but it is... The the thing that grabs me about this film, and, and about so many of films at this particular time, is that they do without... And what I mean is they do without... Music they do without, you know, extraneous noise. They do without, and it's not as busy. And you really have to pay attention to what's going on on the screen so you can actually see and sense what's going on with the characters. Because if you don't pay attention, you can't just turn away and play Candy Crush or whatever you're doing normally with a modern-day television show and take away what you're going to take away but this movie you have to actually watch what's going on because there's so much visually that's happening in this and it's and it's not beautifully filmed but it's really striking how it's filmed Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways you know i mean it's very simple and yet it's 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 truly I, I in, in, when I watched this the first time, I was just I, I'm I've always been in love with uh, Paul Newman's movies, and not necessarily Paul Newman in particular, but I do admit I and I probably admitted this on the st- you've got bad character. That's what keeps you from being great. That's what keeps you be, from being fats. You know, and that's what keeps you from be, being the top of your game. You have bad character. So what happens? This whole film is about him 
changing his character. It's a whole film of him, Eddie Felson's character, going from this feckless, young, reckless, young man who who unfortunately stumbles across this young woman who is just as damaged as he is, and they hook up, and when things go wrong, it changes his life. And it changes his life, fortunately and unfortunately, for the better. But it's all driven by this fact that he gets completely pounded on... <laughs> I mean, just... At, <laughs> Oh, easy so? there, Ben. You easy, start. You ben. giggled before I did. Okay, yeah. Completely pounded on the pool table. Oh, that's even worse. No. He gets beat soundly by Fats, Minnesota Fats, played by Jackie Gleason. He gets soundly beaten by Minnesota Fats, and yet he was ahead. He yeah, was ahead by a lot. $16,000, and yet what happens is that there's the turn. He hits the turn. He's still drinking. He's still, you know, he's still trying to scam Fats. And Fats is, okay, Jackie Gleason, love him or hate him, but man, God, this did film. Good. And this is was his first dramatic just, role after know, The Honeymooners, which I know. is crazy. He was absolutely brilliant in this because he came in, he was flawless looking. And the minute he walked in, you're like, there's no way. That Eddie Felson is going to beat this guy. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. Carries himself so well. And that's the character that the George C. Scott character was talking about. You know? I can't remember his name. Somebody's got a... Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, thank you. Bert Gordon's character. Like, looking at this in relation to sports movies, too, it's interesting because there's not a whole lot of... um, Focusing on the action itself, like seeing the shot actually go in, following the ball closely. It's more about the, the reactions. It's, and it's the beginning of the shot. You'll see yeah. the cue hit the ball, but you won't see the end of the shot. You're absolutely right. And that's that's why this is different, too, because um, there are a couple of archetypes here. One is you have the hot shot rookie, mm-hmm. that being Fast Eddie. Then you have the veteran. And in this case, the veteran, unlike a lot of sports movies, isn't really washed up when like you'll see in a movie like, you know, Any Given Sunday. No, oh, Minnesota no. Fats has this down, and he's probably eaten guys, you know, well, admittedly worse than Fast Eddie for breakfast, but those guys probably knew when to just stop while they were losing. Fast Eddie, that's a problem. In another archetype, it's, um, you know, the character who doesn't know when to quit. You know, he's an addict. Yeah. He just has to keep going and going, you know, which shows up in however many gambling movies are out there. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, this does such a great job of showing the desperation at the end of the first uh, match when Eddie is pulling oh. any, every bit of cash out of his pockets and he's like you can't you can't go now you can't leave me like this I got like four hundred dollars yeah you know? yeah like, I mean you get you at least do that and and fast is like no we're totally done. calm totally collected we're done but and it's interesting that you know Paul Newman is incredibly good looking in this movie and especially when you contrast his face with a lot of the old tired and weathered faces that he's surrounded by. But he's not so good looking that you wouldn't believe that you wouldn't see him in a place like that. No, you know? absolutely. No. And and the art direction that Ben was talking about, they actually won an uh, Academy Award for the art direction and one for the cinematography. Because I guess the editor's name, Dee Dee Allen, that was her like goal of the movie is that... You know, you can see the outcome of a lot of these shots based on the 
emotions and the facial expressions that she cuts to. You know, you hear the you hear the sound of the balls break, and you by the end of the movie, you kind of have an ear for what it sounds like when a ball goes into a pocket. Absolutely, you kind of can tell by the look on someone's face of whether or not it it went in. And it is like like Ben said, it's always on the list of like the top sports movies, but there's not a lot of. Uh, Ball action, if I, I can say that I, on the air. No, I think you can. You can. And, yeah, you can. I, I would say I, I would hesitate wholeheartedly to list this as a sports movie. I just don't think it is. It's it's a it's a again. I come back to the. It's a character movie. It's a it's a it's a on the very fringe or a loose romance, but it's more of a study of of a fall and rise of of a true genius at something you know yeah, i you mean you could substitute pool with anything i mean absolutely you could transpose yes. this to the wild west and have it be a western a gunslinger it could Desperado. be anything yeah. right yeah absolutely just that he could be a gambler i mean it that's the thing like i think even though the movie is about pool in one regard it's absolutely not about pool in another regard it's really about fast eddie and how he matures through all these experiences rather than oh look at you know these slick shots of you know these um pool balls going into pockets that's actually my main beef with a lot of sports movies is it's more style over substance like i mentioned any given sunday before it's like those hits would never happen in real life like a guy does a front flip into the end zone no and then way another guy yeah. spins around after he hit he gets hit, and you know it's just like that would happen maybe once per season in real life. That's it what I was ten times say, yeah. in one game in a movie. Yeah, no, and and then fast forwarding to the actual, you know, the Color of Money sequel, it was a lot about the shots. It oh, was totally. a lot about the pool. It was very colorful. And it was it very was flashy. Very colorful, colorful and flashy, and and you know, it was Tom Cruise doing the whole ninja thing with the pool cue and everything else. But again, Paul Newman steps in as the Felsen character and brings a little class to it. Mm-hmm. He once again takes the crazy a, a little bit out of Tom Cruise and makes it a watchable film, genuinely a watchable film. And I enjoyed that film of far more than any of other of Tom Cruise's films almost always. I mean, not MI2, man. No. There's no beating MI2. Yeah, there is. Mm, I, yeah, I got to go with Legend over that one. Sorry. Ooh. Yeah, his first. Yeah. With Mia Sarah and Tim Curry. I mean, come on, man. It was My. his first. He didn't know any better. So anyway, but uh, back to Paul Newman, but <clears throat> it doesn't matter where you are with him or when you are with him. The guy just oozes class. He steps onto the screen and he oozes class. I, he's like Cary Grant, and he's like oh, okay, uh, some others, George Clooney. Um, I'm not going to say Brad Pitt, but okay, Brad Pitt maybe on some some cases. Okay, but you he's know, like a predecessor. He is, they, he is the predecessor to those men, and and well, with the exception of Cary Grant, but uh, you know, again. He comes on the screen, and you are riveted by his performance, riveted by it. And again, because of the quiet, it is quiet. There's no extraneous music, no extraneous sound. You are absolutely—you have to watch. And that scene right after he leaves his buddy Charlie— he gives Charlie half his money. He leaves Charlie, you know, after he gets completely trounced by Minnesota Fats— and he ends up in the train station, and he throws his things in the train locker, and he goes to get a cup of coffee, and he sees Piper Laurie's character, 
Sarah, and he's entranced. But you wouldn't know he's entranced if you were looking away from the screen because there's no music to cue you. There's no nothing. It's just he sees her. Mm-hmm. And she's reading a book. She's having a cup of coffee. And if you weren't paying attention, which is something that I I hate to say that modern movies have lost just a little bit of. They've lost just a little bit Think of Think in that. the general mainstream, for well, sure. Yeah, they look I for mean, any excuse to play like a popular song to yeah. absolutely. let you know what a well, character is feeling. They've learned the recipe. They know what makes money. They know what's going to sell. And yes. if, if they play a Paramore song... In a romantic teen comedy, they're going to have all that much more demographic to market to. Yeah, I don't exactly. I will say this. Independent films are doing a great deal with that. It's very reminiscent of that era. Oh, yeah. 1960s, 1950s era where they're the it is a minimalistic sort of thing. It's more about what's going on on the screen. That's what's going on in your ear. But again... It, it's few and far between that can really truly capture, I think, this mood and this idea. And that scene between the two of them, I just thought that was brilliant. I love her character, man. That was, I that was, one, of my mo- that was well. one of my favorite parts of that movie. Absolutely. Piper Laurie's character. Oh, what a broken, broken soul that I know. character it's is. It's almost like there's, there's something that you don't really know that's important, which may work in the favor of the movie because you eventually find out that her father left early in the picture but her father is actually paying her money like giving her checks and saying, hey get out of my face I'm an mm-hmm. old rich man and I don't want right. anything to do with you so here's some money to go away and that she also had polio but you almost feel like there's something worse than all of that that happened that's kind of hovering near the surface that doesn't quite come out because you think of her reactions you know she's an alcoholic she you know is barely a writer she like types out these sentences <laughs> yeah. that don't really barely materialize into anything she's drunk as all get out yeah. laying Basically. on the ground typing away and he walks up behind her and goes what is this and he starts to read and he goes is this us? Yeah. I mean, I know. It like, makes you wonder what it said because it's obviously a very personal. He took, it a, very he took per- offense to it. He really did. He was upset by it. You know, he was like, this can't be us. And yet she was like, oh, you're reading into it. it oh, it's nothing. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. And yet it obviously was them that she was writing about. This- Sarah Packard would have a field day with social media. Oh my God! Oh. She totally would have been a <laughs> she would have been a blog queen. And, yeah, exactly. And and she might actually be famous because of it. Because yeah. at that point, being a shut in somewhat, being a student at her age, which I'm assuming she was going to be late twenties, it never really fully states it. But that's yeah. what I assumed at that time. A woman who's a student in her late twenties. Oh, my goodness. That is like finding a unicorn mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Did you use the term emancipated? When they, yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah. after, after the coffee. Um, they had met in a bar later, I believe. I think she used the phrase emancipated and applied it to herself, God. which is interesting considering that she's obviously a slave to depression, I would say. Oh, geez, And yes. that they're and, uh, in a bad past. And but, alcohol dependent. And So she is free, but a lot of that works against her as a character, you know. A lot of her flaws, if she was in a more con- controlled environment, wouldn't be allowed to breathe as easily as they do when she's on her own. Or with Fast Eddie, who I guess helps her, but at, at the same time simultaneously feeds the fire. Yeah, after a while, I think he kind of does. 
I, I mean, my my thought of this whole thing with Fast Eddie is that with he and Eddie and Sarah are are two people who are horrible for each other. They're genuinely horrible for each other because they're two of the same sort of character. They have no roots. They have no past. And the past that they do have, neither one of them wants to relive. And they keep pounding their heads against each other. And I think she sees it and he doesn't. And he doesn't see it until after she ends up committing suicide. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. All right. But... It, 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 she, he doesn't see it. And then when he finally sees what was going on with her and why she was so broken, just genuinely broken, that's when he becomes serious. That's when he becomes the pool player that he can be. And that's when he genuinely beats Minnesota Fats. Mm-hmm. Not just beats him, trounces him. I think the uh, picnic scene is very telling. Like, you have the character study of Eddie, you have the character study of Sarah, and, you know, I kept going back and forth with Sarah because I really loved her character. The movie obviously filmed in 1961, but it seemed like it was maybe taking place in the late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in there. Oh, no, I would say still mid-50s. Yeah. Yeah, I would still say 50s. World War II era, yeah. yeah just just after World War II, I would say, yeah. I was trying to look at the cars and the, the establishing mm-hmm. shots of New York. They had a very jazzy, very brassy uh, soundtrack that I was really like and really fun. Um, but it was minimalistic. Oh, yeah. And you don't Very really see – there's not really any music and dialogue in no, the no. same scene. It's just the establishing shots. Absolutely, but, yep. So even in 1961, at the very latest, you have this woman who's an alcoholic who uh, smokes like a fiend, who has all of these stereotypes that even now – the smoking might not have been that much of an issue at that yeah, point. Yeah, smoking time, was. <clears throat> that was more widely acceptable. But the yeah. alcoholic single but woman like living dirty alone. Smoking, not like not like aristocratic cigarette in no, the no, cigarette no. holder. No, like no, I got you. Nasty no. yellow. No, I know. She yeah. was, no, she, she was that. But see, that's the point. She was a single woman alone drinking at a bar at nine in the morning or whatever it was when he found her there, you know? I mean, because her train was supposed to leave at eight, I think it was. Or, I, I don't her know. Her bus. Yeah, I mean, her she bus, wasn't even waiting for a whatever. bus. He, well, yeah. She wasn't even waiting for a bus. And then he comes in and realizes, oh, she was just sitting there. And so, what an interesting turn. But again, that character at that point in time, in this point in time in history, is such a fascinating female character. You just didn't see female characters like that because... That was scandalous. That was whorish. That was horrible. You know, I mean, you just didn't see characters like that. And I think Piper absolutely nailed it. She was vulnerable. She was broken. And yet she was strong right up until the very end. And I think, too, one of the most interesting sets of interactions came when um, Sarah and Bert Gordon butted heads because you kind of got the sense at that point though that sarah did have fast eddie's best interest in mind because she's obviously not concerned about the money because of how she's lived so she's looking at things more logically than fast eddie does i mean the man has just had his hands pretty much broken in a pool hall because he showed up to a city pool hall and thought he could do the pool shark thing but he had a gang of guys just break his hands because they don't tolerate that behavior there so well if he wouldn't have been so egotistical you know he he knew better that that was what i thought was interesting is that it was he didn't he got himself into trouble but he was he certainly instigated the whole thing because it's one of those deals too where 
you know, he's the kind of character where at some points he just can't help himself. Like the things that he says, it's just second nature. He doesn't have that filter, you know, so it was almost a, I guess not a big surprise when Sarah, speaking of Burt Gordon, was saying, you know, this guy is an absolute sleaze. Why are you traveling this far just for one game? It doesn't make Absolutely. any sense. This guy's going to completely, you know, own you. He's That's what he does. He just uses other people's talents to make money for himself. Mm-hmm. And what was amusing is that he ends up beating that 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 rich guy. Yeah, I mean, billiards he ends instead up of pool. At, at billiards, Finally. which is... A completely different game. I'm sorry, but it is. I don't know if yeah. you guys have mm-hmm. ever played billiards before. I've watched it played. I've never actually played it. I've never played. I find it to be fascinating and horrifying because I get pool. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I actually played nine ball with a buddy of mine in college sometimes, and we did fairly well. But, again, billiards is completely different. The logistics, the geometry, everything is different about it, and yet... It's still "quote unquote" pool. I mean, even the, you know? the table itself is different. There are no pockets. There are no pockets. They're just yeah. their corners. Absolutely. There are no pockets. So for somebody who's translating pool to billiards, it's like, oh, you play football? Let's go play rugby. Wait, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe not. So just to bring us back into 1961, these are some of the other bigger films that came out that year. We had West Side Story, 101 Dalmatians, The Parent Trap, The Absent-Minded Professor. The Misfits, The Curse of the Werewolf, Blue Hawaii, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and one of Vincent Price's best films, Pit and the Pendulum. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that was interesting, because when I, the first time I watched it years ago, I thought, I'm pretty sure they were making colored films at this point. They were, yeah. And so the choice to film in black and white was really interesting, because it's a really gritty, dark world that they're filming. I mean, it's real seedy, and I think actually they kind of failed to capitalize on the darkness and the seediness of it. He, he got his thumbs broken, which was dark, but... You're not... Unfortunately, I think you're absolutely right, because I think in some of those other basement pool rooms that he played in, particularly the one where he got his thumbs broken in, it would not have been that bright. Yeah. yeah. Not by a long shot. I'm thinking of and some of the dives I've been yo, in. I'm, I'm like geez, projecting yeah. that onto the screen. Yeah. And then back, you know... Not um, by a... 50-plus years, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, There's no it probably way. would have been a real hole-in-the-wall, even worse than my standards. Way worse, well, and yeah. You, you, can, you can portray that, and you can capture that so easily without spending money and without any sort of, like, violence or any profanity. And just the talent, obviously, that Dee Dee Allen had. She won right. an Academy Award for this, and the film she did after this was Bonnie and Clyde, which also obviously Brilliant, was... Yeah. Well acclaimed, but I think that I think that what what happened there though is that they were limited by not the technology, but they were limited by the fact that they did choose black and white. But I think that they would have gone completely wrong had they gone with color with this particular film. And because it was black and white, they had to be a little brighter. Even the even the pool hall where he plays Minnesota Fats would have been. Ten times darker mm-hmm. on the fringes. Well, and they played you know? for like what thirty some hours. Jeez, Louise, yeah. I mean, that was unsafe. That was insane. They played yeah. well over twenty four hours. Watching those clock yeah. hands move, I'm like, okay, is are they going to mention how long they've been playing, or is this? They like did an eventually. Obvious, oh, yeah. yeah, they did eventually. But again, it was one of those things where you really only noticed the de- the the time passing by the decline of Eddie as time went on he got worse and worse in appearance and in play 
And unfortunately, that that harkens back to what, you know, uh, the the Gordon character was saying, that your character is lacking. You don't have the character. You don't have the guts. You don't have the personality to stick in for 30 hours with Minnesota Fast. And here's a, a slant that kind of makes it a sports movie. Um, when Gordon's describing what Minnesota Fats did, he was losing. What did he do? He went to the sink. He splashed some water in his face. He got composed. Yeah. And it's a mentality. You know, that's how Minnesota Fats has become the best. And he's been consistent and he's spit and chewed up guys like Fast Eddie. It's because he has a specific mindset. He's not going to be concerned about losing five games in a row if he knows he has his mindset to win the, the next end 15 game. games. Yes, yeah. The end game. Yep. I was really hoping that Fast Eddie was going to pull some sort of con where when he was taking pulls out of his bottle, he would spit it back into his bottle and then give the appearance that he was drunk, pull a little sting action, but that didn't No, no. But I am a sucker for a good love story, and I really like how evolved they are, uh, Eddie and Sarah, right from the start when they go, when they're talking... So their first meeting, Eddie falls asleep, she pays for his coffee, he sees her later on at the bar, and... He's so upfront about sex, and she ma- she makes some comment like, well, do you want us to just go stand out in the alley? Which I thought was really strange to be so upfront, and then... That was very that was very unusual for 1961 as well. Yeah, well, and especially a woman to be that funny, unapologetic, vulgar. <clears throat> I hate nowadays when people refer to funny women like, yeah, and she's a woman, and she's actually funny. That's a whole other story. Yeah. But in 1961, you know, aside from exceptions like Harold and Maude or The Graduate, there weren't really these female roles that were, like, supposed to be funny. No. Some of her lines were hilarious. Oh, geez, yeah. Oh, absolutely. When she, uh, the morning after they have sex for the first time, oh, and I love when he starts to kiss her and she says, no, Eddie, you're you're too hungry. Exactly. That's a cool-ass line. That's not just a cool-ass line. That actually really, truly shows where he is at that point in time, Mm -hmm. how needy he is. And she sees it in him because that is her. She sees it in him because they are mirror characters at that point. They really are toxic for each other. They are horrible for each other at that point. And, and, And yet wonderful for each other at that point, you know, because... There were no other two people who could have met at that point that would have changed Eddie to what he ends up being in order to face Minnesota Fats again. Well, no and, two, no, and no, and no nobody other could person. call the other on their BS no. the way that they can. No, not at all. So I like the picnic scene because that's the that's when you they 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 really have a um, well. She tells him that she loves him for the first time, right? And she kind of pauses, and he's like, "Do you really need the words?" Which I think is is really interesting. I think that's. I think that she really does. Yeah. Well, and you can see that he really does too. Yeah. But you know, and then he starts to go on this tangent about uh, well, passion is what he's talking right. about, and you know, he's like, you can be a bricklayer, and if you enjoy doing it, then that's great. And you kind of see this this fire roar up in Eddie, and and that's that's kind of a, a change in character from him. Absolutely. You kind Absolutely. of you kind of get the more positive side of his character because when you see him early in the movie you think wow this guy just has a horrible addiction but then when he gives that speech you think to yourself well even if he experiences negative consequences he just has this extremely extremely hot desire to succeed and 
his success is measured through his pool game, you think to yourself, well, I may minimize you know, other people and their perceptions of success in my mind, but when you think about that and apply it to your real life, you think to yourself, well, that's a pretty awesome definition of you know success or passion, the way he just described it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the scene where uh, at uh, the drinking den, oh, yeah. Sarah's apartment, and... Uh, She's going to leave the room, and he's like, no, you stay. And they have a very candid conversation about uh, hustling and conning and bless you. Goodness, I'm Jeez sorry. Louise. And so she gets a very clear, uh, you know, she sees a part of Eddie that she has yet to see. And, you know, this is still pretty early on. But, yeah, they they don't get along great, that Bert and that Sarah. Uh, no. And I think that they they're both very, uh, Well, Bert, Bert is a, Bert is a predator. Bert is a, not just a predator, he is the worst type of predator, because he doesn't just hunt openly, he hunts kind of from the behind. I yeah. I mean, he'll sneak up on you and capture you from behind, and that's what he does to Fast Eddie, and ultimately, that's what he does to Sarah. And he kind of tells Eddie that from the beginning when he's talking about bankrolling him. And he's like, you know, essentially, I, I don't care about your welfare. I'm not trying to help you be a better person, but I am making some serious cash off of you. And I want to take you on the road so that I can exploit your talent and, and get it, rich 30, off of you. 30, 70 or something like that? Right. He was offering I'll pay you for yeah. your meals, which yeah. sounds appealing, but I mean. Yeah. I mean, seriously, he was giving him chump change when Eddie seriously was was golden talent, except, and Bert was right, his character was flawed to begin with. Yeah. You know, had had Eddie actually fallen in with Bert earlier on or whatever and been matured by him or whatever, totally would have been a different character, would have been a, more of a Minnesota Fats. But again, Minnesota Fats himself, real guy. This is based on a real guy, you know? I mean, I actually saw Minnesota Fats play, not in person, but on TV when I was a kid. And Jackie Gleason nailed it. The guy was spot on. I mm-hmm. mean, he was... And he adopted that name after The Hustler came out. People I know. calling him that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I know. Cool. It was awesome. That's yeah, cool. it was unbelievable. But I, I, again, it was still... It, it just... That sort of class, that sort of style unfortunately i don't think exists anymore in a lot of ways and and uh, you'd be hard pressed to find it in a pool hall i hate yeah, to be stereotypical right no right now I've, absolutely I've actually, within the past i could probably say 5 years been to a couple of pool halls and you probably wouldn't see a man in a nice suit are you kidding me <laughs> we're talking saggy pants and sideways you know sideways baseball caps but uh again it's yeah, Dave's Ugh. good time is not what I would call the classic Americano pool. Uh, no, but, no. Uh, I've only seen George C. Scott in Patton and uh, Doctor Strangelove, but I don't know a whole lot about him off screen except that he uh, he turned down his nomination for Patton and called it. He said, "I will not participate in this meat contest." I find that amazing. I find that absolutely I unbelievable. It. I I don't. Disagree with it's you only necessarily. Gained relevancy. But, That's so much, yeah. just so true. I mean, it is very true. But even at uh, that time, think about then compared to now and how much oh, worse it's gotten. Oh, geez, yes, yes. Uh, the first time I saw George C. Scott was in Firestarter. 
Oh, yeah. With Drew Barrymore as the young paramour who... uh, And he played this creepy, would-be Native American character, I think, or whatever. But he was a... John Rainbird. That's right. He was a hitman, though. And, And essentially, his job was to kill Drew if she got out of control. But before that, he befriended her and became like this kind of uh guide if you will through this this horrible place and well long story short she ends up setting fire on him you know i mean seriously i mean and and well deserved i mean she incinerates him so but he he's always played these really intense really creepy characters as you know i I mean and this uh, the hustler is a great example of the the, a, a very intense the guy drinks milk at a bar I'm sorry. It reminds me of Jason Statham in uh, Snatch. <sighs> he drinks a lot of milk in Snatch. Right. I mean, but still, yeah, who drinks milk, milk? I think you're looking at for a, a way bar. to see that in. I think that's been in our last three episodes. Snatch. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe it's like, hey, he's he maybe he's the predecessor for the dude we may never know because I don't know when exactly the white Russian was invented. There's a difference between a <laughs> glass of milk and, <laughs> and a white, white Russian. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's just creamer. And we don't know it. Oh, oh my God. Either way, either way, ew, it's not something you drink to be refreshed. Have a soda. Have a glass of water at that point. Yeah. Don't ask for a glass of milk unless you've got stomach issues. What about and, strawberry milk? Do you think if I walked into a bar and was like, give me a strawberry milk, Steve, I don't, I don't in a dirty I do believe you get your ass kicked. I do believe you'd get your ass let's, kicked let's for go something to, something Let's like go that. to City Heat and find out. <laughs> I wouldn't trust the milk from City Heat. Well, I don't think no. they have it. To it would begin be with. like half and half. They probably don't have it. Yeah, that, probably that's my true. guess. Yeah, that would be my guess. It's I guess not I there. really don't affiliate milk and bars. You no, know, in the same and well, no, there is. House. I get, but again, there's Some the drinks. white restaurant. There's there are a couple. Clue uh, and cream. I yeah. mean, you know, there are a couple. But again. It's interesting. I think it just, you know, speaks to his character that he wants to stay sharp. He wants to stay sober, clear-minded. I guess milk is uh, more memorable than water or uh, soda. I don't know. I Memorable? Why do I—I I mean, I haven't seen Snatch in 10 years. Maybe, why do I remember Tommy drank milk? Maybe milk is closer in consistency to blood because that's kind of well, what Bert Gordon is. is. He's just like, he was kind of weird. He was kind of weird looking, too. I felt like yeah. it was a guy wearing I'm a just mask. Saying, like, metaphorically. You know, okay, maybe. Like the, right, he's, yeah. he he reaps the reward from the blood, sweat, and tears of of others. Even though right. I guess that's a little bit far fetched, considering the fact that they're playing pool. But that really is. It's yeah. it's more of a blood equals work thing and effort. Fair enough. So I was telling Ben, uh, there was a film that I saw in O two, a straight uh, video, great film called Pool Hall Junkies. Directed by this guy who, uh, his name is Mars Callahan. He acted in it, directed it, wrote it. Um, but there are scenes that are shot for shot redone. And people like to throw around words like homage. Okay. Which they can use as a respectful tribute. But, you know, the scene where in The Hustler where the uh, shot is done and one of the character, the really impressive one with the ball that curves, the, oh, ma- yeah. the mass shot. Right. And the character goes, you couldn't make that again in a million years. And you know it. That's a line that Christopher Walken says in Pool Hall Junkies. Right. And the one of the, the character gets his thumb broken and in Pool Hall Junkies, the character gets his thumb broken. But it is very respectfully done. But watching... 
the hustler i thought oh god i gotta give a shout out to uh pool hall junkies because that's a really good movie if you can find it it's like how many movies about pool are there really uh, three. Not that many. And this movie, you know, as you would imagine, started a pool resurgence it, in America. I would imagine it genuinely did, yeah. I mean, I, okay, I love playing pool. I genuinely do. It's a lot of fun. Am I good at it? No way. No way. But then I never, I didn't grow up with one in my basement. I didn't, you know, there are a lot of people who do who are just outstanding. Am I respectable? Sure I am. But again... I never would go out and try to hustle anybody because I would lose my shorts. Truly, I would. Yeah. It would be no contest. And and just throwing away. And now, back then, they were throwing away, what, $16,000, $17,000 in an evening? Towards the that, end, they were playing a thousand that, a game. What does that translate to today? A billion. You got to think that that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars they're talking about today. Right. So there's no way. There's no way. So... There was a bunch of lines that Sarah said that I thought were hysterical. The morning after they have sex for the first time, and she asks him how he knows her name, and she says, he says, well, you told me last night. She's like, I lied. When I drink, I lie. Well, what is your name? It's Sarah, which I thought was strange. And uh, when she's describing herself, she, she says, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep, so I drink, which is funny that you would be sleeping and then wake up because you can't sleep and then drink, you know, like there's some very well-disguised, very clever lines that are just, you know, she's she's this really strong woman. She doesn't need a man. She comes to her own aid, even though she's crippled by, no pun intended, but crippled by alcoholism and, uh, you know, but she's still strong, still. It's cool to see that strong feminism in uh, 1961, despite her demons. True. They're definitely there. Very true. So we haven't really talked about the uh, the other talks for who was going to play Fast Eddie at some point, but uh, among them, Frank Sinatra, Bobby Darin, Jack Lemmon. I there's think no, there's no. The only one who could maybe have pulled it off, Frank Sinatra. But I feel like he would have. He would have been distracting. He would have been distracting. I think it would have been distracting. So uh, Roger Ebert said that it was one of those films where scenes have such psychic weight that they grow in our memories. And I thought that was a really interesting way to phrase it because truly, as I'm watching the movie, it it was good and I enjoyed the whole thing. But a lot of it ran too long. Uh, A lot of the scenes didn't really serve a whole lot of purpose. They drug a little. They drug a little. But as I'm thinking about it in retrospect, I think of it very fondly. And the first I've watched it a couple times now in the last few weeks, and I fall, I've taken naps to it, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of become a friend of mine. But it's just it's a very aesthetically pleasing film to watch. You know, it's it, I th- I think it's fascinating that Piper Laurie has had such a an, an enormous career, but has been a career below the radar for the most part. You would not know. That she has had such a sex- successful career. Uh, That's easy for me to say, right? She's also in another Stephen King adaptation. She is. Carrie. She's in Carrie. That's exactly She did correct. a great job in Carrie. She was phenomenal in Carrie as the crazy mom. And another thing, which I didn't know, which I found fascinating, she was also in 1998's The Faculty. Oh, and yeah, she, she played w- the little the, the little old secretary yeah. who ends up, yeah. With a pencil in her That's, hand. Yes. 
Which is a fantastic movie. It was by the unbelievable. Way. I, I thought that was Rodriguez a great did movie. A yeah, great job with that. Oh yeah, great film. But she's had such an amazing career. But again, she's one of those actresses who you know who she is because you recognize the name, but you wouldn't be able to necessarily say what she looks like necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and because she is kind of this every woman sort of character, and I, I think that it's brilliant. And and I think one of her truly one of her crowning roles is this role as Sarah in in The Hustler because I think without this I, I don't know that she would have been the actress that you know we see today and because I mean, she's still alive she's still out there she's still acting she's 83 years old she's still doing her thing and I, I think it's amazing to me that such a uh, I think it was a small film to begin with because it is truly a small cast I mean, really, there were, what, four names in the film. The rest are all just kind of there. Yeah, you know? uh, very much so, background. Jake yeah. LaMotta playing a bartender, that was interesting. And I guess Paul Newman had never played pool before he did this movie, and so he got rid of his dining room, bought a pool table, and practiced every day. Actually made a bet against Jackie Gleason, who was a great pool player. They bet for like four grand or $400 and he lost. Right. So the next day he gave him $4,000 in pennies or $400 in pennies. $400 in pennies. Okay. Yeah. That would have been hilarious. (laughs) But other than a couple shots done by uh, a reigning world champion pool player, they they all did almost all of their own stuff, which is cool. When you don't necessarily need to. You know, they had already mastered Sleight of Hand by 1961. Oh, truly. Um, So it's cool to see that integrity. Again, it was nice to see Jackie Gleason in a somewhat straight role. You know? Yeah. I mean, the only other role that I really know him from is the Smokey and the Bandit. You know? Other than, of course, the Honeymooners and, and, uh, well, the unfortunate Sting 2. Yeah. Which we won't mention. More like the stink. The stink, Because it was yeah. a stinker. It truly was. The but, suck. The yeah, suck. The suck. Yeah. Ooh. But no, from the Hustler, First I we're going to do Hustler, then we're going to do the suck. I don't know about that. <laughs> mm. Well, that's pretty much all I got yeah, on The too. Hustler. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I certainly wouldn't stray from watching it again. If I had a good friend of mine, especially a male friend that had never seen it, I'd, I'd, I'd watch it again for sure. There's a lot of good things that it did for Paul Newman, for the genre. The soundtrack was fun. The editing, any movie where you take notice of the editing, I think is really interesting because that's a credit that doesn't really get a lot of recognition. Um, So I enjoyed it. So I recommend anybody that hasn't seen this movie, it is currently on Netflix. Yes, it is. On instant streaming. It's very good. I would encourage you. If you like Paul Newman in any way, shape, or form, this is... This is one of the Paramount films that forms his on-screen characters. I mean, this is this is a the birth of of Paul Newman in a lot of ways, and I think that you will not only enjoy it, but you'll have a new appreciation for him as an actor and what he does later on then in his other films. I would say too, this is probably um, a recommendation for people who want a film that's based around a sport but 
based more on the characters than, you know, glitzy shots of people doing backflips that don't make sense. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. if you're if you're more into character driven films that do include coincidentally a sport, I would recommend it as well. Yeah. You know, the irony of this is that right now I am so against character driven films, personally. I don't like watching them because they they are too close to home in a lot of ways for me. But this film, I love because it is. It, I mean, it's a film for me that's it's it's so out of my element, so out of a time loop that I'm in. That I, at this point, yeah, no, I I could do that. I can absolutely watch a film like this and enjoy it for what it is. And and not be driven crazy by the fact that it reminds me of who I am. <laughs> yeah, truly. So you can thoroughly enjoy this film and have absolutely no interest in pool, billiards, absolutely. nine ball, and that's cool. Yep. Ben, anything else? I have nothing else to add. Well, fine. So come back next Tuesday. If you want to get a hold of us, of course, you can leave a message on the Movie Show Theater Facebook page. You can go to movieshowtheater.com and hear all the rest of our podcasts for free. You can download them. You can stream them. And you can get a hold of our blog. You can get a hold of our writing essays, all sorts of goofy stuff we've come up with. So until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this has been Movie Show Theater. Oh, 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 oh,